gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, but Christ has given us a new law, a better law. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, which is really, to be honest, a distillation of what he had said in the Ten Commandments. But now, the difference is, ourselves to obey those commandments, but because God has established his throne in our hearts, he has given us a new heart and a new willingness to put those commands into, uh, into uh, obedience, to follow those new commands. So it's an amazing thing what God has done for us. So we've started looking through the entire story. We have come to the place in the Bible where the Israelites stand on the brink of entering into their promised land, the promised land uh, that had been promised to them by God through Abraham. Joshua is about to lead the people of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. And it is, uh, I hope, how many of you read it? How many of you read chapter 7 this week? Good. Oh, it's getting slimmer and slimmer. I appreciate you guys that are hanging in there and reading. I hope you're doing your Bible studies. Are you doing your Bible studies too? Because that will enrich the thing. And, and also on our Facebook page, if you will, we are giving a lot of other resources that you can use to follow along, little video clips and teachings and stuff like that that will help you dig deeper into that particular part of God's story to bring us back into a relationship with him. Anyway, we come today to the story of Joshua, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. So let's get into this. If you've got your Bibles and want to turn to the passage of Scripture we're in today, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 23. It will be on the board above my head. But one of, the, one of the things that I often share with people who are just starting out in recovery is this. Find someone who has what you want and then do what they do. Get that? Real simple principle. Find someone who has what you want and then do what they do. If you want sobriety, find a person who has sobriety and do what they do. If you want serenity, find a person who has serenity and then do what they do. If you want joy, find someone who has joy like you want and then do what they do. It's a really simple principle, but it's effective in every area of life. If you want a happier family, happier marriage, then find someone who has a happy home, happy marriage, happy family, and do what they do. If you want a successful career, find someone who enjoys a successful career and do what they do. It's a real simple principle, and I would encourage you all to follow it. How many of you here want a victorious, overcoming life? I mean, you want to live a life and life to the full like Christ promised. Well, then let me tell you something. Here's what you need to do. You need to study the life of Joshua. Because that's the kind of life that Joshua lived. If you want to live a life that's filled with God's presence, that's filled with God's power, if you want to live a life that's marked by the miraculous. If you want to live a life that's characterized by courage and triumph, you can't do any better than Joshua. If you want to live a life of victory, then Joshua is your man. He has what you want. All we got to do then is do what Joshua did. Amen? Well, I want to point you to Joshua 23. In Joshua 23, Joshua calls all the leadership of Israel together for a farewell address. Just as Moses had passed on leadership to Joshua, Joshua is now about to die, and he's wanting the Israelites to pick up the mantle of leadership. They have conquered the promised land. They have taken most of it. They still had some battles that had yet to be fought. 
But everything God had given Joshua to do, Joshua had done. So he calls all the leadership together to encourage them and challenge them to carry out the mission that God had given them. Joshua knew his time on earth was coming to an end. Joshua wanted to pass on to these leaders the principles that had guided him to victory and success in his life. And in this farewell address, Joshua is going to share four principles. There may be more. You may find others. But there are four principles that I think you find here in this farewell address that not only help these leaders continue to live on in victory, but four principles that we can live out today if we want to live a victorious, overcoming life. Write these down real quickly. Here they are. We're going to expand on them in a little bit. First, give God all the glory. Give God all the glory. Second, obey God's word completely. Obey God's word completely. Third, live without compromise. Live without compromise. And fourth, love God more than anything. Love God more than anything. Let's read chapter 23 together and we'll unpack this a little bit and then enjoy baptism. Chapter 23, verse 1 says, After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the lands of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered, between the Jordan and the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Don't you want that to be your promise when it's all said and done? Let me read that again. That's, man, I love that. I want to know when it's all said and done that this will be my testimony. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil He has threatened until He has destroyed you from this good land He has given you if you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you and, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The Lord's anger, anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land 
He has given you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for this word. We thank you for this new covenant that you've given us that's better than the old because it's been provided for us. And the power and the willingness that we could not gain ourselves in the old covenant, you provide for us through this new heart and the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit. I ask you, God, today to turn our hearts and minds toward you. I pray, Father, we would focus on your word and how we should, each one of us, put your word into practice in our lives. Each of us, God, is struggling with different things, but these principles apply to us all. We all want to live a victorious, overcoming life, Father, but we've got to understand it can only be done your way, not ours, because you are God and we are not. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. Thank you for the spirit that's evident here. In Jesus' name, amen. Quickly, let me get to this. The first principle I want you to notice about victorious living, this roadmap to victory that's given to us, is to give God all the glory. Give God all the glory. Verse 3 says, You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. And as you read the story of Joshua, at least I hope that this came, came through to you, as you read the story of Joshua, you can't help but notice his humility. Joshua never had to be the center of attention. He never had to receive personal credit for any victory that was won in a battle. But instead, Joshua made it a point to focus all the attention on God who was fighting for his people. Joshua made it his focus. Joshua focused on the character of God and on the mighty works of God. Joshua never, ever encouraged people to look to him for success, but instead he told them over and over again to look to God for success. Joshua was careful to always give God the glory for victory, for success. But too many of us are what I call foxhole Christians. Foxhole Christians. Those of you in the military, you probably know what that term means better than most of us. In the middle of a battle, we cry out to God for help, and we make God all kinds of promises. But when the battle is over, and we've survived the crisis of, a, of the moment, we soon forget how it was God that came to our rescue. Come on. We soon forget it was the Lord that brought us through. We soon take credit for winning the battle ourselves. And we soon forget about all the promises and the commitments that we've made to him. God, if you'll, you know, we do that. God, if you'll get me through this, then I will do this. How quickly we forget once the crisis is passed. We take credit for the victory and we forget about the commitments that we've made to the Lord. Frankly, I think that's why many of us continue to fight the same battles over and over and over again. Because we take credit, we don't give God the glory that he's due. Joshua tells us today that the very first principle of living in victory is to make sure we give God all the glory. Any success we have is because of God. Any battles we win, we win because of God. Any problem we overcome, we overcome because of God's help, with God's strength. And through God's power, Psalm 60 verse 12 says, With God we will gain the victory, and He will trample down our enemies. 
Some of us are fighting battles that have already been won for us in Christ Jesus. All we got to do is just walk it out. But for some reason, we think we got to fight that battle for Him. It's crazy. Let God fight your battles. Christ has won for us already. The victory is secure. We just have to believe and trust and obey. And He takes us into that promised land. You get that? Okay? Give God the glory. To live in victory, give God the glory. The second principle that I want to point out to you quickly the second principle that provides for us a roadmap to victory in our lives is to obey God's word completely. Say the word completely. Completely. Not just bits and pieces. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. I like this. I like what God has to say here, but I'm not really sure about that. And my friend said that part's no good. Come on, y'all. Obey God's word completely. In Joshua 1. Joshua 1, going back to the beginning of the book, just before the people of Israel begin their conquest of the promised land, the angel of the Lord spoke to, to Joshua, and he said this, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And I believe with all my heart, Joshua took the command to obey God's word to heart. And it became the foundation for his success as a man and as a leader of his people. And we see Joshua rehearsing that command to his people when he said in verse 6, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the, in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. You see, an important key to victory in this life is living in complete compliance with the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. What is it that really delights the heart of God? What is it that really makes God smile? Our singing? I don't know. I don't sing all that well. <laughs> I mean, some people think it delights God when they call themselves a Christian. They self-identify as a Christian. They think that makes God happy. Not really, to be frank. Some people think that it makes God happy by developing and using their gifts and talents. But many people waste their talents on worthless goals, to be perfectly honest, chasing after worthless things. And too many people, when it's all said and done, who, who think that they have made God happy by calling themselves Christians are going to show up and God's going to look at them and He's going to say, who are you? They came to him saying, Lord, Lord, I have cast out demons in your name. I perform mighty miracles. And he's going to look at them and say, but who are you? I don't even know who you are. What really delights the heart of God? And this is what I want you to think about. What really delights the heart of God, and somebody said it just a minute ago, is obedience. You want to bring a smile to God's face? Just simply obey. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. You want to bring a smile to God's face? Just put into practice what you know to do. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. God delights in rewarding obedience. And the Bible makes this clear, and I hope as you read through the Bible, you're going to see this for yourself. God delights 
in rewarding obedience, the obedience of His people. Deuteronomy 28 says, You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. I like that. I like that. Don't you like that? Trust and obey, for there's no other way for you to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Obedience, complete obedience to the voice of God. If you want to live a life of victory, immerse yourself in the Word of God and put it into practice. And you'll find God just pouring out His blessings upon your life. Third, Joshua says this, the third principle, is to live without compromise. And in a culture like ours, that's hard to do. I understand the difficulty. I struggle with it every day. But Joshua instructed his leadership team to live without compromise if they wanted to enjoy success in their life. In verses 7 and 8, Joshua says to them, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Those were the pagan nations, the heathen nations, the Canaanite nations that had not yet been removed. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God. Say that with me. Hold fast to the Lord your God. Say it again. Hold fast to the Lord your God as you have, he said, until now. You see, Joshua was concerned about the corrupting influence of the world around God's people. Because the world around us has an ability to drag us down, don't they? They have an ability to drag us down. Before we know it, we're thinking like everybody else, we're talking like everybody else, we're living like everybody else. If we're not careful to guard our hearts and avoid the corrupting influence. Man, in this world we are surrounded by temptation. And and we are constantly enticed to compromise what we know to be true. We're constantly being tempted to satisfy legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. And that's all temptation is. To satisfy a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. I want you to jot that down. If you haven't ever heard me say that before, this, I want you to understand that this is one of Satan's primary strategies. He wants you to think that you can satisfy a legitimate need in your life in an illegitimate way. He wants you to think that you can satisfy your need for companionship, that you can satisfy that need you have in your life to have someone share life with you with someone who is not following the Lord. He wants you to think that you can satisfy the need in your life to experience emotional healing, to experience peace and serenity by taking a pill or another drink. It doesn't work, does it? God has legitimate ways to satisfy those needs. Those needs are real. And God knows those needs. And He has supplied your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let God satisfy those legitimate needs in legitimate ways. you get that? But this world wants us to believe we can do it 
apart from God. We can satisfy these needs outside of God. And that's a trap that will only lead to your demise, to your destruction. That's a path that will often lead to disaster. Just ask that young adult who took drugs just trying to fit in with his friends and now he's locked up in jail. Or talk to that businessman who wanted to provide more for his family by cheating on his taxes, but he got caught. Or say, say, uh, say that to a woman whose need for companionship caused her to marry a man who won't be faithful to her. Listen, compromise leads to disaster. Always has, always will. Compromise leads to disaster. Joshua says, hold fast to the Lord your God. Say that with me again. Hold fast to the Lord your God. Let the world say what they want to say. Let them preach what they want to preach. Hold fast to the Lord your God. What that means is to cleave, to hang on tight, to stick like glue. Hold fast to the Lord. That means slap a heavy dose of, of super glue over yourself and cling to Him with everything you got. You want, to, you want to be successful in this life? Wrap your arms around the cross and don't let go. You're like a drowning man in an ocean, hanging on to a piece of driftwood. That cross is all you got. Hang on to it and don't let go. That cross means life to you, safety to you, security to you. Hold fast to the Lord. Let nothing come between you and God. Sell out to Him. Bind yourself to Him. Live without compromise. And over and over and over the Word of God, as we read it through this year, you're going to see over and over and over again the same principle. God is trying to drill it into our hearts and minds. Ephesians 5.11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Hold fast to the Lord. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Chronicles 16.9 that says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are completely committed to Him. Is your heart completely committed to Him? Then the Lord's right there to meet the needs in your life, to walk with you through those tough times, to secure your heart when you feel like selling out. God promises help and strength and victory to those who refuse to compromise with the world around them. You see, the roadmap to victory says, hold fast to the Lord your God. Joshua demonstrated that with his life, and I pray to, I pray to the Lord that some of you will do the same for this generation. The fourth principle. We've talked about giving God the glory. We've talked about obeying God's word completely. We've talked about living without compromise. Here's that fourth principle. Love God more than anything else. Love God more than anyone else. Love God more than anything. Listen, Joshua says in verse 11, so be very careful to love your God. Jesus says in Mark 12, 30, that the greatest commandment that we have been given is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. We are to love the Lord our God because He is worthy to be loved. Amen? He is great. He is good. How many of you found that out for yourself? Even though you're early in this walk with the Lord, you've already found out, man, God is so good. He's given, me, he's given back to me things I had lost forever. He's given back to me sanity in my mind. I can think straight for the first time, and I can't remember when. I mean, He's given back to me things I thought I had thrown away. 
And now they're being restored to me as I set my mind and heart on living for him and pleasing him. I'm telling you, God is good. He's good. And he's great. And he's loving. And, 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 and in return, the only thing God, the only, the only reasonable response to the Lord and for all he's done for us is just to simply live our lives as an expression of our gratitude to him for all he's done saying thank you, Jesus, with every word that comes out of our mouth, saying thank you, Jesus, by every action we display, with every attitude, just saying thank you, Jesus. But do you know it's possible, and this is a trap that we all fall into, it is possible to love somebody out of a wrong motivation. You can love someone because of the way they look, and you can love someone because of the way they make you feel. And you can love someone because of what they do for you. And I'll be honest, I've met a lot of people who love God only because of what they can get out of God. I know many people that love God only because of the way God can make them feel. But is that really love? Is it really love when you can only love somebody for what you're getting out of them? It's not love. It's not love at all. What Josh was saying here is, to be careful to love the Lord. Make sure that your motivation for loving Him is where it needs to be. Loving someone because they, of how they make you feel or because of what they do for you, that's a selfish love. That's a self-centered love. It's a misplaced love based out of selfish motivation. Selfishly loving someone based on what you can get from them or what they're willing to give to you, that's not really love at all. We know that. What Joshua is calling us to do is to love God not based on what we're getting from Him, not based out of some selfish motivation, not based on what we hope to get out of God, not loving Him because He makes us sober, gives us serenity, not hoping, not loving God simply because we hope in time He's going to give us our family back. We don't love Him for that reason. We simply love God because of who He is. Just because of who He is. It's one thing to love the blessings that God provides, but it's something else to love the Lord simply because of who He is. Do you love the Lord in the bad times as much as you do in the good times? Do you love the Lord when things are going your way as much as you do when they're not going your way? I mean, this causes, this causes, it ought to cause us to stop and examine ourselves. Do I love God today because of what I'm getting from Him? Boy, am I loving God today because of what I'm getting from Him? Am I loving God today because of the way He makes me feel? What if I wake up one morning and I don't feel that way anymore? Am I still going to love God? Do I love God because of simply who He is? Worthy to be loved. Whether I feel like it or not. Whether I'm getting what I want out of Him today or not. Will I simply love God for who he is, because he's worthy of that love, because he's worthy of that devotion, because he's worthy of my affection. Psalm 31 says, Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. Let me just say this. I think if you want to step off, so many of us live a roller coaster kind of experience with the Lord. We're kind of up one day and down one day. If we can ever come to the place where we, say, where we say to ourselves and can, can live this out, I don't care what this life throws at me today. 
my affection for the Lord remains unchanged. You'll climb off that roller coaster. Some of us are living on the romance of a new relationship with Jesus. It's time for us to step off that roller coaster and say, I simply love Jesus because of who he is. I'm going to hang on to Jesus because of who he is. I'm going to commit myself to Jesus simply because of who he is. I don't care how I feel about it right now. I don't care that I'm not getting all that I thought I would get by now. I'm not going to let discouragement or distraction take my focus off of him. I'm going to instead redouble my focus on him so that he knows I love him in spite of the ups, in spite of the downs, in spite of the mountains, in spite of the valley. I don't care. I'm in this for Jesus. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I want, to, I want to see every one of you succeed in life. I want to see you just fall in love with Jesus. I want to see you walk this thing out. I want to come to the, when it's all said and done and we together step before the Lord on that day when we all have to give an accounting of ourselves. And that day's coming. That's the end of the story. We're not there yet. But when that day comes, I want to be standing there with you arm in arm, celebrating what the Lord has done through our lives celebrating the way he has used us to, to, uh, to pass on his blessings and his love to other people, our families. I want to stand there just celebrating the grace and the mercy of God. Isn't that what you want? You do know we're going to have some tough days between here and then, right? Are you still going to be loving Jesus every step of the way? He's going to carry you through. I love the, the book of Joshua. I hope you focus on it. I want you to close your head, or bow your heads and close your eyes. And don't close your heads. Keep your heads open. We're about to transition into a baptism service. I'm going to ask the band to come back up for just a moment. I want us to spend a little moment of time just meditating and thinking about our lives and where we stand. Are you living by these four principles we just talked about? Are you putting these principles into practice already? Or are there deficiencies in, in, in your life? Let me tell you something. You're not in this thing alone. If the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you some areas in your life where you're kind of, you know, kind of wishy-washy about it, you have the Spirit of God. If you've given your heart to, to the Lord, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. To make... To give you the power and the willingness to change. I have a feeling in a crowd this size, I can say this with actually complete confidence, that some of you are compromising your walk with the Lord. You know that there are areas in your life which you have yet to submit to him. He's spoken to you about it already. You've come across it in his word. The Lord has made himself very clear this needs to change. You cannot continue to do this. You must stop but yet you continue this activity, this behavior, this attitude. This message from Joshua should challenge you. It actually ought to be a message of confrontation. What will you do about this compromised area in your life? Will you yield it to the Lord? Will you surrender it to Him? Will you put His Word completely into practice in your life? Because there's a warning attached to it. If you continue 
to compromise, this area of compromise is going to continue to be a thorn in your progress, in your walk with the Lord. It will continue to cause you to stumble and fall. Or maybe right now you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I only seem to love Jesus when things are going well for me. I only seem to feel close to the Lord when it's all going well. Well, maybe it's time to examine your heart. Are you loving God simply because of who He is, or are you loving God only because of what you get from Him? There's nothing wrong with allowing the Spirit of God to take you on a little tour of your heart to see if there are any changes that need to be made. You see, he does that not to condemn us, but to convict us. We only experience the power of God to the degree we're willing to surrender to God. Your life will only be as victorious in Christ Jesus as you are surrendered to Christ Jesus. Some of us need to stop listening to the voices of the world. And we need to focus on the voice of the Lord alone. And when He brings us through, don't think you did it. <laughs> he did it for you. To Him be the glory. To Him be the glory. Give God all the glory. Obey His Word completely. Live without compromise. 